you're listening to attention please with arna bre episode 59 from talking stuff network and i am vikram mohan also on the talking stuff network this week we've had a whatsapp geeks with coverage of google's pixel 4 event and microsoft's underreported but amazing hardware event and uh, binge on featured four unique love stories so look for whatsapp geeks and binge on on your podcast player well back to attention please i think we were on a short break of a few weeks and uh, during this time our host celebrated the puja survived a wildfire and also had time to write about this not only did he but also his daughter as well talk about uh, it illustrious family and uh, to tell us what else he's been uh, what else has been on his mind and to introduce our guest for today's episode here's your host arnab ray hey arnab how have you been i have been it's been a mixed bag this last few weeks i was hoping for uh, two weeks of durga puja so my original plan was the first weekend i was going to attend so the way durga pujas work here is that they're often straddled over two weeks so my first week was going to be the major durga puja event in the second week on friday i was going to attend the anjan dotto concert however that never happened because on thursday as some of you may know or may not know there was a wildfire uh in the hills which surround my house and we had to be evacuated which is a mandatory evacuation the cops come and they knock on your door they don't knock on your door they actually use their fists to you know thump on your door uh we were woken up at 12:30 and we were asked to leave immediately um i've written a blog on the subject as vikram uh mentioned and my daughter has men- uh, has written a blog on that too and because it was a tumultuous experience for the whole ray family because we had to be evacuated when the first time we got evacuated in those 5 minutes i could barely grab anything just grab i basically took the sh- you know there was no clothes nothing we just walked out just to you know took our wallets and took our passports that's it we had walked out with nothing else actually and then uh we were of course this this place that the house that we live on uh the hills behind the uh, we are the first row of houses and then the hills start and that the entire hills basically caught fire so there was some very scary footage that we saw that night um and we were pretty sure that our house would get burned out because there just didn't seem to be any way that you know the line of houses could survive you know flames like that but thankfully uh, because of the efforts of the los angeles fire department who are very skilled at fighting fires it's just since i've never followed a forest fire this closely of course since it was uh, my neighborhood which caught fire but it's just amazing how how skilled they are in and they're not just like people with hoses uh, they they they're like engineers there they they really work out like engineering solutions and they have the amount of infrastructure support that they get is just amazing especially for us coming from india where we have such poor disaster management just to watch that you know here's our house there are planes flying all over the moment the a, a tongue of f- fire starts creeping towards the residential area they rush uh and they they immediately pour flame retardant there so they are always monitoring the periphery they have people in the back room who are using basically using predictive models to predict where given the wind direction where the fire is going to go next because one of the problems in the place we stay it has got very very stiff winds it's called the santana winds and even right now it's it's blowing really hard the wind is really blowing hard now it's like at 50 miles per hour so and this kind of persists through late spring and this is a irritant of course because you can't have any yard furniture but when a fire starts this is this actually makes the fire you know leap from one hill to another these these santana winds 
So, anyways, uh, that's over, and we've, we've, I've, these my family, we've gone through, you know, one round of 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 California living, and I've never yet. It's been more than a year that I've been staying in California. I've still not been able to figure out what exactly is so great about California living, given that the earthquakes, <laughs> gas leak, and uh, forest fires, and the taxes are high. But at least uh, when the firefighters were fighting, I could. I could see why the taxes were high. I mean, I was getting back some service, which is you really you do see your government giving back, but uh, at least I, I got to see that. Anyways, today for today we have a guest, my uh, father, Doctor Alokre, who some of you may have heard on a previous podcast. Some of you may even have been a student because he used to be a professor at Indian Institute of Management, Calcutta, in economics uh, before he retired. And the reason why I have him on this show is because I want to dedicate this whole show to, you know, Dr. Uh, Abhijit Banerjee and, you know, him winning a Nobel Prize, which is, again, it's, it's, it's the pinnacle of uh, Bengali achievement to win a Nobel Prize. I think it's pinnacle of any achievement, any, any academic achievement. But since, since we in Bengal give, give academia that exalted, uh, the, the exalted level that, you know, money isn't important, but... Uh, academic recognition is, I think that there can be no greater academic recognition than a Nobel Prize. So what we wanted to do is I wanted my dad to kind of uh, throw some light on uh, Dr. Abhijit Banerjee's research. I happen to know that my father used to be a student of Dr. Abhijit Banerjee's father. Uh, so I just wanted him, you know, I just wanted to call him because he, he's an expert on the subject and I'm not, though that does not prevent me from having an opinion and you shall hear my opinion too. So without further ado, uh, here's my father, Dr. Alokre. Baba, are you on the line? Yes. Hello. Hello. Okay. So uh, first of all, uh, I just wanted to start off by saying that for for many of our listeners, many of who do not have a background in economics, just like me, I do not, but who are interested in it. How mm-hmm. would you like? How would you you know spend as much time as necessary? But you know, how would you characterize Dr. Abhijit Banerjee's achievements? Like, what what is, if you could explain to a layman, what exactly has he achieved uh, to win a Nobel Prize? Like, what's his yeah. contribution yeah. to the to the science of economics? Sure, sure. Uh, first of all, uh, let me make it make it very clear that this is not Abhijit alone who has won it. There are. Uh, there are two other, uh, actually, uh, people who have got Nobel Prize. One is uh, Esther Dufflow, who also happens to be uh, his wife, and Kramer. Okay, So this is actually a trio who have been awarded this Nobel Prize, basically for the same kind of work. Okay, So that's the first thing. Now, the, the basic point is something like this, that instead of looking at global poverty as a single huge problem with some kind of grand solution, they have tried to break it down to a large number of small manageable problems where uh, you can make incremental progress by more judicious use of policy instruments. That is the basic uh, point, I guess. And, And they also believe that in order to make improvements in the lives of the poor, one first needs to understand how and why the poor people behave and make decisions in certain ways, which may appear a bit puzzling to the non-poor, because they believe that better understanding of behavior will help design more effective incentives or policies. I mean, that is the 
starting point. Let me just give you an example. I mean, actually, I, I should also make it very clear that their joint book of Ovijit and Esther Daflo, Poor Economics, which attracted a lot of attention and a lot of acclaim also, particularly in the West, because you see, some of the things which they have said, they have actually talked about there may appear, uh, what should I say, very, very revealing or puzzling to a lot of Westerners. But actually, they're not that puzzling to people like us who, who, who actually can see poverty all around us. And we also talk to people poor people and we also know a little bit of how they behave so it is not really that surprising to us but anyway still let me give one example because that that example has been used by many other people also like poor families have been found to spend on television even when they don't have enough food but which actually makes sense if you consider their miserable existence so to say because TV provides the only avenue of entertainment at low cost. And it also provides some kind of a window to the outside world in their otherwise cooped up small living space. Because they cannot go for any uh, more uh, expensive kind of uh, entertainment. So this is, this is the kind of entertainment which they uh, actually go for. So this is one kind of an example. But there could be many other examples. Uh, now, uh, I can now illustrate their method of research again uh, by giving you one example, particularly for the, for the, for the lay persons. You see, everyone advocates that there should be more spending on school education. Why? Because it helps poor children acquire certain kind of skills and rise above the so-called generational poverty trap. Now they show by using data from field experiments. And these field experiments are technically called randomized control trial or RTC in short, which compares the performance of two otherwise identical groups. Now one group with the intervention and the other group without the intervention. We call them intervention group and the control group. So we compare the performance of these two otherwise identical groups. These otherwise identical groups, there is a big question mark there, but let's assume that they are otherwise identical. So one is subject to some kind of intervention, another is not. And then you compare the performance of these two groups over a period of time. And then come to some kind of conclusion about how they are reacting to this intervention, what are the impacts of this intervention, and then from that you try to derive some kind of policy conclusion. But anyway, coming back to that specific example, what they find is that the quality of education of poor kids, their so-called academic achievements or academic outcomes, which is much more crucial than mere attendance in school, because unless you get uh, some kind of quality in this education, it actually does not enhance your earning potential uh, in later life, because that is important for taking them above the poverty trap. So just attendance is not enough. You have to learn something. So they find that this learning something, this thing can be improved much more by tutoring of students who are lagging behind, because particularly because many of them come from first generation learner families. 
so their parents uneducated they also live in some kind of an environment when when nobody values so much the education and all that anyway so so that that the conclusion is that the tutoring of laggard students is much more effective than say midday meals or providing them textbooks or school uniforms or things of like that okay. it also follows from their analysis also in another context that right to education with no pass fail till class 8 which has been pursued in india in many cases that has improved school attendance but has worsened the learning achievements of the average poor students and has led to large scale dropouts after class 8 so they along with the local teams of researchers they have undertaken similar kind of studies involving alternative policy interventions in the fields of education healthcare sanitation microcredit etc in a large number of developing countries so you see though this randomized controlled trials has been in use in medical drug trials for a long time extending its use to development economics problem is some kind of a novel idea and that is the uh, new idea you can say or as obiet likes to call it this kind of a movement which has really been rewarded by the nobel okay so I, let okay. me let me stop here yeah so few questions so first of all i am a little surprised that uh those uh those in the west don't uh, when, when you started off by saying that that the way poor people think is very different from the way the way our, you know rich people yeah. think it's it kind of sounds a little elitist because i would presume that you know people in general think the same way and uh, of course the the manifestations of their thinking might vary because of the amount of money that they have so of course uh you know i think ambani's son ambani wants the best for his uh, for his kids and so do i is just that what ambani can do and what i can do are very different for our yes. children so i don't think that the basic motivations vary and i don't also don't in in basically based on the uh, example you gave me about that 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 people in the west are kind of uh, stupefied that uh, poor people in india would would rather spend money to watch tv rather than uh, to eat food that that's that's pretty common in the in 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 at least in the us too and i would presume in in other western countries because uh, poor people uh, they often run up huge credit card bills uh, for a phone for and 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 i think that everybody understands the reason for that and the reason for that is that people cannot just subsist for eating that's what that's what elevates us from uh, you know being an, an another animal that we have to keep our minds uh, busy that we have to keep our minds occupied and television um, is one way of keeping our minds occupied it's 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 a very uh, you know very easy way of keeping our minds occupied so i don't think and you know a, a mobile phone now is 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 a surrogate for television because it it yeah. can do so much more yeah. things but it's also television also and i think that you know as we see that in even in india i i mean my first question was he won a nobel prize for saying these things i thought these were self evident truths um i mean everybody nowadays in 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 india carries has a mobile phone i mean that's it's it's i mean people will i mean that's that that's fairly ground stakes for existence and it's not just a question of we need this to survive it's 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 a luxury and people realize that but you know that's that's, that's the first priority that's more important yeah, yeah. than food in, in many ways yeah. so i i think the, 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 the what what the nobel prize is trying to reward is basically the use of rtcs to development issues i sh- i should put it this way but i i only try to give you some kind of a background why they are undertaking this rtcs 
and all that that that's all but these are but 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 again i mean again i haven't read his his work so i i'll i'll i'll, I'll be honest about that but at least the examples you give me none of them seem to be uh, you know something which is novel or something which you know in terms of the hypothesis it is confirming i it, none of it seemed particularly um like like we couldn't think thought of it by common sense now i understand that the purpose of science often and that's the purpose of publications and journals is to validate whether our closely held beliefs are actually yes. true or not and, and, also, and I, also 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 trying to give it some kind of numbers rather than having some subjective thing yeah i know of course that tutoring is good uh, than uh, giving let us say uh, textbooks or school uniforms but how by how much because because you see the government or whoever he has a budgetary constraint so actually these things are also linked to what in economics there is another i can say uh, subset of uh, economics that is called social cost benefit analysis they also try to do this kind of things that you take certain kind of interventions and try to find out what is the benefit cost ratio in this alternative kind of spending money and you should prioritize that uh, you first go for projects which give you higher benefit cost ratio but you see whenever you say the higher benefit cost ratio how do you measure these benefits costs etc and often this rtc studies and the data derived from rtc studies are used in that social cost benefit analysis so i would say the main thing is that they have undertaken rtc in so many different countries in so many different areas some more than some 500 rtcs they have undertaken in many developing countries for a considerable period of time which also involve a lot of cost actually i did know it but i was writing as i reading an article which says that the average cost of this kind of an rtc is about 50 lakhs which is a lot of money for an ordinary researcher actually so unless these are funded by some institution you see uh, for example avijit avijit head some kind of a poverty lab and he is a ford foundation professor so they get a lot of money that's why they are able to undertake this kind of things which many ordinary researchers are not able to do so here's here's my criticism of rcts in general now for those of you asking what well, what do you know um well i know a little bit about rcts because we as part of a when i used to be an academic uh we we were working i i was in a i was a copi it was not an rct so let me just come to that to know why i'm saying this but uh we were we wrote a proposal to the national science foundation and can we talk a little bit about what is an rct for folks who might be okay so so uh baba do you want to describe what an rct is uh yeah basically i i i already mentioned it but let me let me again say basically what you said that you pick two uh samples from a population and these two samples are believed to be <laughs> representative of the relevant population and they are otherwise identical and that is where there is a big question mark so let's say you take one group of students take another group of students in a particular village both are otherwise identical students that is where the randomization comes in that they are statistically identical okay But you have a control group right you have you have a control group which which in a medical terms is the, yes yeah one group is subjected to some kind of intervention another group is not first group is called the intervention group second group control group 
and then you track their behavior or track the impact on these two groups of people over a period of time and you say okay this difference is due to this particular intervention rather than to something else now, that is where the question marks etc come in yes so so again so coming back to what i was saying so this criticism so, so the the origin of uh, rcts were was the pharma were the pharma companies so as part of any drug regulation regime uh, you have to show uh, to the government that you know when you when you claim that a drug solves a particular problem that it actually does solve the the problem that you're not you know basically selling snake oil so the pharma companies really came up i wouldn't say came up this is the statistical theory but were the first to use this as, as baba said before this is this very expensive so that it shows you that there are very few people who can truly do do an rct uh, so because the randomization is is the secret sauce so so what the drug companies did was was that they they did these rcts to show the efficacy of whatever you know whatever pharma pharma product uh they were trying to put on the market but increasingly there was there's a lot of controversy regarding you know how how r is the rct and whether uh whether the the experiment can be gamed based on uh, what exactly you want to come out at the end and there have been several cases where you know somebody has done an rct which shows the efficacy of something and then somebody else has done another rct which is proven the exact opposite because of the populations they have chosen because of what variables they they choose to do their mathematically jugglery over so so that is why of course the only rcts i mean i wouldn't say only rcts but the rcts that people ultimately come to believe in are rcts which are which are basically done at huge scale and and this is very important over a long period of time over 20 25 years that's when rcts you know basically the experiment autonomously kind of randomizes itself once it goes for that period of time and as you can understand that you know these experiments are extremely expensive and and, and it's difficult to run you know 20 year old experiment experiments over 20 years so these are the kind of rcts which truly give results which are i would say uh, mathematically founded the other ones it, it's always and again it's not just me saying uh, there's a, there's a talk on on youtube from uh, angus deaton who won the nobel prize in 2015 where he kind of rips yeah. apart Uh, RCTs, um, and again, it's not me. It's a Nobel Prize winner two years ago who's saying this. That 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 that, and he and he talks about the mathematics of 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 why he's deeply skeptical of this kind of RCT use in in economics. But it's not just economics. Even in 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 pharmacy and in in, in you know in, in in pharmacological studies, RCTs have been criticized because of because of that. claim to randomization so the the question is how did i come across this so when i was an academic and i was still uh, you know still at the university we were part of this uh, this 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 ns national science science foundation project which the the the, the lead principal investigator was a turing award winner dr edmund clark you know the turing award for those who don't know is 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 the computer science equivalent of a nobel prize and you know five or six of us had a proposal and we won that proposal and we were we were actually working on it was to basically uh do these rcts to basically say okay rcts you know we we kind of know that they have their problems but can we basically do these kind of trials in silico that is in software that is can we construct in this case can we construct a, a physiological model of electrophysiological model of the heart so we were doing some kind of trials on the 
on on basically how the efficacy of uh, pacemakers to and different kinds of heart treatments on the heart on the as you as you may know that the heart is basically a an electrical system it's a chemical electrical system so rather than doing these kinds of studies on a massive scale with people having different kinds of heart problems or as they technically called arrhythmias can we do or can we construct mathematical models in software and basically simulate the hell out of it so basically do an rct which would possibly take 20 years in the real world but possibly might take a day on a computer and massively massively increase the parameter so we can basically change the parameter so that's really the problem with rcts is that what are those hidden parameters and how do you model their changing that we basically brute force that space and have a much more solid basis and much cheaper of course because you don't have human beings any longer you have the properties of human beings being run on a computer so much cheaper and much more mathematically based and supportable and most important repeatable if you have the same data sets if you take a computer and you run it on another computer you're going to get the same results which again with rcts as a problem you do something in uh, in rajasthan and you do the exact same thing in let's say ladakh you might find different results because of some other factors like geography so that brings me to the second question that i had baba which is that mm. i understand that these are very nice academic experiments and and you coming from the world of publishing i know that when you have an empirical study attached to your paper that totally makes it go from uh, you know an average rank with uh, with the committee to accept uh, i totally get that but how, how once see the problem with this is the moment that somebody wins a nobel prize everything he says now if he starts reviewing movies everybody will start believing him so <laughs> so the so the problem is that now he's a nobel so this is I, my criticism of dr amorthasen is that you know he won a nobel prize but now everything he says is backed up by the fact that he won a nobel yeah. prize so you can't obviously criticize this yeah. because he won a nobel prize did you win a nobel prize mm-hmm. shut up so so that's so now we have another uh, you know dr amartasen which is dr abhijit banerji and yeah. it's not just a question of you know his movie reviews or what what he thinks about cooking mm-hmm. and that's not important but the fact is he also wants to be politically engaged he's made it very clear he was associated with congress party of all things and he was he, he lent his name and his brain i guess to nay and you know he he thinks that and i want to know if 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 it's a valid thinking that you know the kind of experiments he's doing and whatever he's he's deducing from them he wants to apply it on a national scale and now it's not the ford uh, foundation which is funding his experiment really it's the taxpayers money that's funding his 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 supposed a uh, national level experiment and i know that you know rahul gandhi didn't win so he kind of didn't win that win that grant but he came pretty close to it and i'm pretty sure it's going to come back i don't think that you know tomorrow five years later the bjp might adopt it so um, more than the party fact i'm trying to understand what this means can can these sort of things be applied to a country like india okay uh, i think even before i go to that uh, let me also clarify a couple of couple of things and then i'll go to the political part of it you see uh, that is the usefulness and the limitations of rcts you see uh, you have already pointed it out but let me again reiterate this thing that the rct finding in say education health sanitation in 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 one village or even 10 or even 20 villages in say bengal may not be applicable to 
the same set of villages in say Bihar or Arunachal. You have already mentioned it because local conditions here a lot. Let me give you an instance. You see, there is a, the Amul Cooperative in Gujarat, which has been such a successful thing, but it could not be replicated in any other area in India. Amul is just just only one, which is which has become successful. Okay, and then the scaling up problem, which again you have mentioned, but let me again give an example to illustrate what what could be a problem. Yeah. So let me come back to that earlier example of tutoring of laggard students. Now, when when we are conducting an experiment in a few villages, we choose these tutors, right? <laughs> we, we have our own tutors who are taking from some NGOs or you are paying them good money and they know that you are actually monitoring their performance, right? But now when you extend it yes, to the yes, entire, of course. Yeah, when you extend it to the entire state or the country, the appointment of these tutors are subject to all kinds of influences, political, otherwise, you, you all know that in India. And then absenteeism of the teachers and their non-motivation is a serious problem, which actually been brought out by Obhijit and uh, and his fellow researchers uh, in 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 India by again their cities. Okay, so whatever might be might be true in a controlled experiment in a few villages, which is being closely supervised, and these tutors also know that. You see, that may not be. Uh, almost very difficult to implement on a state or at a national level because then all kinds of other considerations will come in in terms of the appointment the performance and all that you see this is this is this is just one problem when something which is which is which is true or which is valid in a controlled experiment that becomes very difficult to replicate when you extend it to the real world i mean see this is this is one problem now uh, should i now go back to the or other thing like nay and all that yes baba the Okay, now you see here again. Let me let me make it clear that researchers, whoever it is, Ovijit or whoever, you see, when they write research, or even Raghuram Rajan, I must show. I must say because I follow their interviews, their writings, etc. Media uh, or the politicians obviously don't don't follow or they suppress it, whatever. Okay, so when Ovijit has been interviewed or Raghuram Rajan has written. They have made it very, very clear. First, first, Obijit has made it clear in a very recent interview that the Congress Party actually approached him because they thought that he has some kind of expertise in knowing how many people are below a certain kind of poverty cutoff and all that. And therefore, if they want to set, let us say, poverty line at certain place and they want to give, uh, let us say, uh, subsidy. To these people, what will be the budgetary cost, etc.? And they think that because Ovijit has done data-based work in these areas, he has some kind of an expertise. That's why they approached him. And Ovijit has made it made it clear, even in today and another, that if BJP had approached it for his uh, information or data or expertise, he would have been so glad to put them thing to them. So he has no particular reason to provide it to Congress or not to anybody else or anything like that. And also, he has also made it clear in interviews that this kind of thing, as a UBI on a very grand national scale, has not been tried or studied in any other country so far. I so know he this, makes a point in his own paper. I, I I read his paper, and he actually had this line in the second page itself that UBI is paper on UBI, which came out I think last year. 
Yes. So in, in only in some very small localized area, like in, uh, I think, uh, Alaska, and there are some Scandinavian countries in some municipalities, etc. They have been tried for certain time. I think there was period. a country in Africa uh, also. So, yeah. In Africa also. Oh, okay. And now, they, and I think I, I just, just read uh, a couple of days back that in Kenya, they are undertaking some kind of a somewhat on a bigger scale, etc. But still, they don't know about the results. So he says that in terms of interviews, that he is broadly in some minimum social safety net, not only for the real poor, but even otherwise, not so poor person suddenly loses job in India and he has nothing, he has no social security. Therefore, unless we have some kind of a social safety net, people cannot take risk and, and all that. So, so that. So, so basically, intellectually, he's broadly in favor of some kind of minimum social safety net. But he did not work out or suggest any specific figure of rupees 6,500 per month as proposed in NAI. Actually, in that interview has also made it clear that, well, my his hunch would be, given the budgetary constraint, it should not be more than rupees 2,000 to 2,500 at this point of time. So as a starter, he would he would suggest that you start with 2000 2500 and then see what kind of problems are arising and as the budgetary constraint relaxes and not only that this is another point which media uh, sometimes uh, does not does not mention that you see there is there is a there is an implicit assumption that all other subsidies will be gradually replaced by this it is not an add on but that I we mean, know baba will never happen nobody will take anything away he also mentioned that we have to proceed very, very carefully. There could be adverse impact on work efforts, particularly for the, for the really poor. And it may be, uh, there could be lots of administrative issues, corruption, etc. So you should first start a pilot and then see what kind of problems are arising. So we have to proceed very, very carefully. But when the media picks it up, what the or the Congress party picks it up, they will say, okay, Ovijit Banerjee and Raghuram Rajan are the brains behind it. They have supported it to give it respectability. And of course the media picks it up and that's how the whole thing actually goes. Uh, so I, I think I should, I should, I should make it clear. If I say that, that the Banerjee and Raghuram Rajan have not disputed the claims, etc. Well, you see, uh, even today, I think uh, Ovijit has, has got some kind of an interview somewhere. I, I, was, I was hearing it. He said that, how many times should I go and go, go on giving my disc, disclaimer? So many have said, even on personal life, I mean, so what should I do? And so people always say, uh, I am giving my advice only to Congress party, I'm aligned to Congress party. That's not true. I have also undertaken, my team has also undertaken RCTs in so many states. In some states, I mean, ruled by uh, BJP. When even Modi was the uh, chief minister of Gujarat, they have undertaken RCTs there, and they uh, and 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 the uh, and they got very good cooperation from the government. They have done it in Bengal, which is ruled by TMC and so on. So 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 so, so that's it. Said, what else can I say? Uh, I had a question about the UBA concept. Uh, wanted to know. I mean, this question is probably for both of you. That economically, uh, isn't the concept of the UBI just an extension of, uh, let's say, something like uh, universal health care? Or is there any difference barring the scale? Uh, well, universal health care is a very specific thing. Yeah, but but this is this is this is some kind of a cash, which you can spend on anything you like. I mean, 
you can right. you can even spend it on alcohol if you, if you if you want to so this is an unconditional transfer unconditional uh, cash transfer so that that is the difference between specific subsidies and this and there are so many specific subsidies which economists generally support are being very very difficult implementers my better give signed up subsidy you are possible and let them decide i mean uh, give them give them the freedom you cannot do much about it so here's my problem with ubi and again i i was reading again it's it's not a very deep reading of 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 uh, dr banerjee's papers i don't think i have the intellectual tools also to understand everything but um, one of the things that he says is that as part of his rcts and i just felt that the, that the data supporting that was very feeble in terms of uh, was that the people when you give them direct cash they generally don't they don't spend it on alcohol and something else tobacco maybe maybe something first yeah. of all first of all first of all I, th- i don't think that you can really characterize what bad behaviors are in an experimental setting what is a bad behavior okay so if if i invested in say for instance sharuda is that is that good behavior is that bad behavior so when you give somebody cash in hand for me it's especially at scale uh, it's virtually impossible to know it's virtually impossible to predict how they are going to spend it if people knew that then businesses would have figured that out a long time ago that how if because you know doesn't matter who makes the money if people get money how do they spend their money and what things what are good behaviors what are bad i just think that at a nation scale it's just impossible to know what will happen if you give somebody cash in hand i for instance putting on my author's hat will say that based on human motivation if you, if you the value that you put on money is the amount of effort you spend earning it so that is how we that's why people who inherit money lose it very soon that is why people who win lotteries for instance have a tremendously bad record of be not being able to keep it because it's not just a question of you know it's a, it's, it's the classic weight loss conundrum in turned around it's not the question of losing the weight it's actually keeping it off that's really challenging yeah. it's no, same so, thing but, with money no but 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 in us somebody loses a job he gets this so called unemployment benefits he also gets it in cash but you have no control over how he is going to spend it you see yes, so, but the un- but the unemployment benefits are not for life uh, you in order to qualify for the unemployment benefits you need to be have laid off you cannot be fired for a cause that is if you are if you are fired for taking drugs at your workplace you don't qualify for those benefits so in in the us also there are certain conditions that kind of make sure that the money is going to somebody who's responsible that is a person who lost his job not because of something he did and that's i know is 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 a precondition for applying and getting money from unemployment benefits but over here with uba you're saying i don't care i'm giving money to everyone i'm giving it to daku sardar i'm giving it to everyone so yeah. how can you make sure that that person i'm not saying in, that the person is not going to drink it away that the person is not going to in, put it in high risk investments that the person is not going to play satta with it no, no, I mean, but let me let, no no let me let me let me mention one thing here here the, the economist would say something like this when you give even a poor person let us say a gas cylinder free or at low cost you can always sell the gas cylinder to somebody else and convert it into cash liquid, and then spend on liquid. alcohol 
No, I I will dispute that. It's A gas cylinder but, isn't an easy thing but, but to sell. Listen, listen, listen. Not as easy as money. Not as liquid as money. No, certainly, certainly, certainly not as easy as money. That's why when even this food grains or 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 even this uh, cash subsidy is being talked about, that will be given to the poor people. Often, some people are suggesting that it should go to the bank account of the uh, wife or the woman in the household. rather than rather than the rather than the male person because generally the women folk are considered to be more responsible care more, more, responsible. Their, yes. more care care more for the children and they will at least keep a check on uh, whether their husband is taking away the money and spending it on alcohol etc so 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 certain kind of precautions or other kinds of things are also being talked about so that you can say this bad behavior can be restricted to some extent of course all bad behavior can never be Uh, eliminated so it is it is only a question of how much how many people on what what is the average picture etc but everybody knows that whenever you give something through a government system there will be for example corruption but does that mean that we will not be giving anything through the government no because as uh, i think some economist at one one point of time most probably aluwalia when he was in planning commission once asked this question ah oh, your rajiv gandhi has said that only 15 paise goes to these people when you spend 1 rupee etc he said okay so certainly we should try to uh, uh, plug some of these loopholes but given that there is loopholes the point is that if there are leaky pipes at least if you if you if you put more water from one end we know that more water will come from the other end even if there is some leakage so so it is like that that when you when you when you are undertaking practical uh, policy decisions and you are trying to implement you know that there will be lots of leakages lots of this but given this you will have to do something i mean it's it's like that yeah, so yeah, you were talking uh, about uh, the I'm, direct I'm, transfers for lpg so that has been happening for a few years right right now where uh, uh, the poor are get people identified below the poverty line are getting direct transfers so in in a sense that's kind of a minor pilot for ubi so uh, i'm assuming someone uh, somewhere has studied on how this money is being spent or uh, you know what has been the effect on the local economy uh, yes but those are only very small scale things only for a few years but when you are talking about real ubi it will be on a national scale etc so again whatever might be true or valid <laughs> in small localized you see cases may i mean some some other problems may crop up at the national level when you scale up so nobody really knows but still they believe that this is a good idea so let us try to explain actually uh, let me mention it even in us now there is lot of economists who are talking about having a uh, ubi even for us because of this rapid technological changes a lot more people are losing jobs in in yeah, us than than that's it, that's andrew yang's platform that won't get him anywhere so yes that is one of the presidential <laughs> democrats that's a different thing whether the, the the fact is this the the that the problem with ubi the very political problem with ubi is just that just forget everything else it's if you want to tax people and dr banerjee said that i think i wish he hadn't said it for his own sake that you know taxes will go up um but that is inevitable is that just when you increase somebody's tax and you give something to somebody else as an ubi i think that's politically it's untenable at this point of time i mean that is income redistribution at its most naked i mean if you increase taxes then you people 
expect that there are better public services available. And that might not be true. It might be that there are no better, but at least the facade of that is there that oh, we're increasing your taxes, but of course we are going to work better, blah, blah. This is the, you can't even message this. We are take, we are, we are going to take away rupees hundred from you and we're going to give it to somebody else. That's what UBI is. And I just don't think that in a democracy, one can consistently get votes uh, based on that from the middle. Well, class. Well, I mean, again, well, okay. Okay. Uh, let's try to understand here. Even uh, your BJP is giving the so-called PM Kishan. So no, they no. are having an UBI, UBI for the farmers. Then in Telangana, they are having basically an UBI for farmers. So UBI in some form or other is actually being tried by all, all political parties. Be, because all, all political parties. So, so, uh, I mean, I understand so, that. I mean, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the fact is that since the middle class vote is so fragmented, that the, that most political parties, all of them, I'm not, I'm not yeah, absolving the BJP of this. Politically, giving people money, at least for the people who are getting money, is the ultimate thing, right? You know, it's like giving free liquor and free free blankets. Now you have free money forever. But as as but as we as we saw, it doesn't really work at a national level. I mean, otherwise, you know, Congress Party would have would have won. But uh, that, even the, well, no, six thousand no, rupees on, couldn't no, no, on, on that. that point. On that point, I have a different view. First of all, you see, this this nagging was announced only at the very last moment. This was not widely publicized. If a lot of poor people really knew that they'll be giving six thousand five hundred per month, if it really sunk in, I don't know what would have happened. Most people simply are not aware of this nagging thing. You see, but 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 in Telangana, Telangana, they say that uh, this Telangana chief minister has one. Because of these popular promises, so these popular promises give you votes. I mean, so politically, these are very attractive ideas. Whatever else uh, people might be might be thinking, or the taxpayers might be thinking, these 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 do in votes. I mean. Okay. Um, so last thing that I wanted to talk about was that Dr. Banerjee has gone on record saying that. The fate of India is doomed. Economic fate. He yeah. said, "Pray," yes. and then yes. he said, "Pray again." And do you think this is this is uh, brinkmanship? Do you think this is being guided by some of his political ambitions? I, I don't particularly believe him when he says that if the BJP had approached him, I would have done this. Oh I mean, yeah, uh, well, okay. Um, let's just leave it at that. But do you think that this is a place where he has actually he's basically leveraging his his fame now to Basically, uh, say anything he wants about anything at this point. I mean, anybody no, can say but, anything but, but he wants about anything. Here, but listen, listen. Here, here, I would, I would, I would put the blame on media because if Abhijit Banerjee has said the same thing a day before he got the Nobel, you see, it would not have got the headlines. But after he got it, he got it the headlines. But the same thing has been said by so many researchers, and this is actually not Abhijit's particular area of expertise. <laughs> see. Which is another economist, right? And he okay, is so, specialized so, 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 in, let us say, Indian economy or anything. So, leaving aside Dr. Banerjee, leaving aside him, what do, what are your opinions? Uh, is India on the precipice of an economic cataclysm? No, no, I don't, I don't, I don't. So, because you see, almost all economists in the world are slowing down for some reason or other. And India is no exception, but that does not mean that the reasons for India are exactly the same as the reasons for other countries. 
some factors are beyond our control but there are some factors which are within your control within and obijit i agree with obijit's basic thrust there but that is not but obijit does not have any unique wisdom just because he has got nobel prize almost all macroeconomists to say the same thing that when an economy is slowing down the first requirement is that you will have to increase demand you see given tax concessions reducing interest rates etc do not immediately lead to investment because if i already have excess capacity right why should i put up another plant or expand my uh, factory just because let us say taxes are less or interest rate low i will just I, i'll just wait so only if i see that there is more demand for the cars etc only then i would go for expansion of my plant etc it is it is it is as simple as that now the question is how do you increase demand etc with the redistribution some other ways they will say that some would say go for infrastructure spending on it most economists would say that uh, and and all that so we what we are saying is not something something new i mean a lot of economists should say exactly the same thing when the economy is in a not not exactly recession but slowing down you will have to increase demand in some way or other if you cannot that increase not what you demand, were saying then the government will have to government will have to spend so yes. the way i looked at it was that he was saying that the bjp government that that it is because of the faulty i mean leave aside we we leave aside demonetization which i think uh we've discussed enough and and i'm i'm personally very skeptical about about you know what it achieved but he's also criticizing he's not putting this in the context of a global slowdown or a or a concomitant of the trade war that's going on he's no, putting no, it as that, no, that no, this no. is the mismanagement of the bjp mm-hmm. government uh well whatever i have seen the, uh, i have not not seen uh, him specifically mentioning that this is due to what he has said at least in, in recent pronouncements here and there is that this very substantial corporate tax cut or reduction in interest rate they are not going to produce any kind of immediate effect etc what we need right now on a priority basis is to in, is to infuse more demand into the system now he would he perhaps should given his preference etc would go for redistribution kind of thing that if there has to be uh, more spending well one way would be that give 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 more money to the poor and they will spend it but some some other people would say no the better thing would be you spend government spend more on infrastructure so 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 that way will also be creating long term assets and will also be strengthening the so called supply side of the economy for future because you see when you spend on infrastructure it creates demand as well as improves you see the supply side the capacity part of the the economy economists may differ on these things but i think many economists will agree that just just giving giving some tax cut or reducing interest rate are not going to uh, going 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 so going to so, immediately so so let me dispute you by pointing to what dr banerji said so i have this thing right in front of me so what he said is in the odd short run so he 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 has some suggestions such as be proactive i'm quoting him become much more proactive in getting money into the hands of the people which is ubi okay basically give people money raise the mn rega wage raise prices for fa- farmers and there are some things and at the end he says let the rupee slide and pray okay that was his short term and for the long term he says um among the things that they should do is you know strengthen institutions and one of the points and this is directly from his slides by withdrawing cases that look obviously politically motivated 
he's basically asking the government to withdraw a case against P. Chidambaram. Now, how is this related in any shape or form to RCTs, UBI, economics, and is not a blatant political statement, which is sure. targeted towards uh, Congress talking points? Yes, if he, if, he, if he has made that statement, then this is a political statement. That is, that is, that is not in his area of expertise or anything. I mean, as a private citizen, of course, he can, he can, he can say anything, sure. but this is, this, this, is, this, is, this is not an economist domain, so to say. So exactly. So this is the this is this is my problem with 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 Dr. Banerjee is that of course he's of course I mean this is not to dispute the Nobel Prize you know whatever it is whatever then we know any academic you know this is a Nobel Prize is one for academics any kind of academic approach has its limitations it doesn't make it any intellectually less impressive that's all true but ultimately the fact is that that he is using he he is he's taking that economics he's taking his his legitimate core strength and he's trying to extend it to politics he's making blatantly political statements which really have nothing to do with economics even i mean saying withdrawing cases that look obviously politically motivated um and in brackets he writes whatever the truth caesar's wife is always good rule these are from his slides by the way and these are i mean um vikram i'll send you the link it's on scroll.in so obviously this is not fake news as you can understand <laughs> um this is from scroll.in so obviously they didn't make this up so so this is what did he, he, did he, did he, did he, did was he giving some kind of a lecture or talking to media yes, what he was give, he was giving a lecture with slides okay so i think this was this was a op general lecture at brown university i think he spoke along with dr rajan okay so these i i i think that the video is also available online but these are the like screenshots of his slides so there is no misinterpretation these these are his slides not somebody these else interpreting what he said i mean these are these are nothing to do with his 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 training or expertise as economics i mean that much i can say so i mean uh, i guess I, I i guess that's it i mean i guess i think the conclusion is nowadays it's just impossible to separate um separate what a person knows from his politics and you can apply the same criticism to me of course because here i am doing a podcast on yeah. things which i have no uh, background in um and totally understand the irony of me saying that but uh, the, the, but there you have it again i don't have the weight of a nobel prize i don't have the even the weight of a shobje shera bangali behind me to validate what i'm saying so it's it's totally caveat emptor in terms of you know you you know you you, you believing or you know you you imbibing what i'm trying to say here but uh, so so that's it for today and and thanks a lot baba for being on 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 the show and thank you ma for helping baba be on the show because my yeah, baba is actually i i i like to end with just one comment actually because sure. because some of the bjp leaders say he he is a leftist economist but you see he is actually he is not really a typical left or marxist economist who's a believer in communism or socialism or anything like that he is very much a mainstream economist as far as his research and other things are going and he for example he is he is against in some sense you can say the right to education with no pass fail which is which some people consider to be progressive kind of kind of ideas so in so in terms of his own publications etc i'm not talking about his brown lecture or anything he is pretty much a 
pragmatist and a mainstream economist and you should not really label like a marxist economist by 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 any stage no i don't think i don't think so i think the i think we are at a stage baba where nobody wants to be labeled a marxist economist it's like being labeled fascist i think we have reached the stage in 20 around 2020 where marxism is kind of treated with the, about the same derision of course there are exceptions that like fascism like is prabhat prabhat patnayak of jnu who is one of I the, the marxist he is a marxist but, but, and he openly yes says that i mean so of course of course i'm saying that but but i think that i think that generation is is on the way out i think dr banerji represents a new generation in which we have what i would call uh, you know i don't know neo marxism or neo socialism but people don't want to associate with the bearded figure of marx because it's just it, 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 that 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 brand ambassador is just particularly ford foundation a ford foundation professor at mit cannot be a cannot cannot, cannot be a be marxist, a marxist but that does not mean that he that doesn't mean that his foundational beliefs are socialist and socialism is different from marxism right it's a lighter form Of yeah, Marxism. yeah, sure, but 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 even in the lighter form, even in the lighter form, like like say, like say, there should be more. Uh, what should I say? Uh, less privatization and more uh, public takeover of private companies, etc. He's not even a believer no, of, of that. Of course, kind. of course, of course. I mean, that kind of radicalism is. i think it's it's on the way out i think we're looking at economists with on the trailing curve of of that that you know that the people should grab everything from the private sector you know but we're talking about but income distribution redistribution is not that i don't think that even in the us political context even yeah, people like, who identify like, themselves as socialists like bernie sanders say anything like that but they but they do openly say that yes we want to redistribute wealth that's the difference between him and elizabeth warren and the centrist like the bidens they even if their policies might be doing kind of the same and and everybody knows that what uh, what uh, what warren and what uh, bernie says they can never get it done because uh, the house and the senate will never allow it and that they're basically these are all lies none of this will can even happen in the us like universal healthcare and stuff but but even that the fact that they're saying it they're saying that we're unapologetically saying we are socialist bernie identifies as socialist yeah. and what i'm saying is that i i agree that that nobody is is marxist or communist but for me at least the way and this is personally purely my opinion is that socialism or those who identify as socialism are basically are basically taking marxist without that statue and bust of lenin but they without the more extreme aspects of it but they're basically They're basically taking about eighty percent of that income redistribution. To me, is classical Marxism. I mean, it comes from Marxism, and I, for me, cannot see UBI as anything different. And again, my personal opinion than that. Now, I understand that it might be good in terms of its benefits. I totally understand the logic that's often given that okay, um, Reaganomics and and these kinds of top-down approaches to economics, which is what the which is what the US has. traditionally adopted is is that if you give more money to rich people they will invest and boost the economy and that will have growth and stuff so but it has not worked and again this is not an rct thing this is actually in the real world over multiple years and it has not worked because the logic is fairly simple if you give a rich guy 500 dollars he will not spend it he will 
he will not he will not spend the full five hundred dollars. It might even go into his. He might not even know that he has an extra five hundred dollars. But if you give a poor person five hundred dollars, you can be guaranteed he will spend that five hundred dollars. Now that five hundred dollars might not be spent doing good things. It might be spent on television or you know, daru or whatever you have it. But you'll spend it. And when you spend things, you then you boost the economy. And so a five hundred dollars given to somebody who's poor. For who, who's it makes a much more marginal difference to his life than somebody who's rich, and I totally understand that from an outcomes-based perspective. I just don't buy that on matter of principle, and I don't think that you can make people, you can take stuff from people and give it to others. No country in history has that worked. And that has really been the major failure of communism, and even I would say, and we can have a conversation on that another time, of even European. uh socialist countries like sweden and norway because i in my, in my old job i used to we we used to have a lot of uh citizens of iceland you know those those nordic countries which everybody is jealous of which represent really the height of achievement none of them wanted to be in their country they would say that we want to come to the us no, no, they but, wanted but, to come no no but they listen, want listen, to come listen. to the country with no, the greatest income equality no. but but they were they were they were not really the poor people they were no they, they were, were not more more talented people <laughs> exactly talented that is exactly what they said that sweden is a very good place if you want to slag off and do nothing the government will take care of you but if yeah. you are even a little bit driven if you are a little bit intelligent it is terrible that's the that was what they all used to say and that is why america still has i mean the country with the greatest wealth inequality still has all the innovation coming from it that is because all the smart people from other places come to this country i mean even dr banerjee came to this country right for that banerjee is a talented person banerjee was not a poor person that's why no he wasn't but 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 but, but given the things he believes in he decided to come to the us because he came to the us because he was he would get to work at he would get to work at harvard you know there is sure. a reason why harvard is harvard yes, it's not sure. a socialist But organization my point is this that mexican workers will try to migrate to us but maybe not scandinavian poor workers would want to migrate that, that, no, that that's the, the thing but scandinavian even the average average scan even the average scandinavian it professional wants to migrate to the us because they feel they will get more value for their effort sure sure agree and that's why the best of their talent the best of their talent of these countries come over to the us yes i agree with on, on that 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 score i certainly agree with you that that for the really talented people american is a far better system than many of the scandinavian system but for the very average kind of a person relatively poor with not that kind of skill well having a uh, what should i say a very comfortable uh, social safety net is always a big attraction okay so okay that was a good uh, <laughs> after log is a prologue after log so uh, thanks everybody for joining us and uh, thank you baba thank you ma for uh, for doing the technology part of this and uh, and i'll see you next week yep. everybody yeah. thank you
thank you so much for having me <laughs> okay thank you yeah thank thanks for your time uh, it's always yeah. a pleasure hearing you speak yeah. and yeah. for our thanks. listeners we will have links to the articles mentioned by arnab the scroll one and uh, the others in the show notes so like we said that's our podcast for today and boy it feels good to be back and in case you forgot let me remind you about arnab's patreon page at patreon.com/greatbong where you can pledge any amount that you're comfortable with you can also reach out to us at appodcast at talkingstuff.net or whatsapp us at 9652578333 don't forget to add at plus 91 if you're outside india so until next time take care bye bye